0: Or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So, if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now: expressvpn.com/ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com/ringslore. expressvpn.com/ringslore to learn more. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. The show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. In today's episode, we are picking up where we left off with the city of Gondolin. And when you think of the city of Gondolin, you need to think about Turgen, or Turgin, <laughs> if I'm going to pronounce it correctly. But when you think about Turgin, we're reminded of someone who is desperately fighting against fate or the doom of Mandos. You have to remember, Turgin ...was Fingolfin's son. Turgon is not one of the children of Feanor. And yet he is still caught up in... ...all of the terribleness... ...that Feanor's decisions brought. Now we have to think back to some of the other events that happened. Before the founding of Gondolin... ...Turgon lived in a different place nevrast along the shore and during that time there he desperately tried to stop all of the terribleness that was happening here in middle earth by sending seven ships to the west to cross the sea and attempt to find their way back to valinor but this didn't work we're told that none of the ships returned the Valar were closed off. And then we get to the events of the founding of Gondolin. The hiding of another elven city. And at this point in the story, we have seen the downfall of Nargothrond and of Doriath. Gondolin is all that remains. And the story today picks up on chapter 23 of the Silmarillion. And we're going to learn about Tour. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but I want to echo a number, what feels like a magical number that came up already. Seven ships. Tour will see seven birds. The number seven will show up a number of different times in this story. And so that raises the question, why? Why seven? What is the meaning behind that number to Tolkien? And the simple answer is that we don't officially know. There's usually symbolism in these kinds of things, especially when a number or a picture or an image or or something like that shows up multiple times. It's usually not because it's coincidental. It was done for a reason. And so we have to go into our knowledge about our world and, and how the number seven has been used in our writings because we know that Tolkien was drawing from classical writings and myths. In the Hebrew Bible, we have the seven days of creation. In the ancient world, the Greeks wrote about these seven wonders of the world Rome had seven hills. And across other biblical works, the the Christian New Testament lists a bunch of sevens in the Book of Revelation. Seven churches, seven angels, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven stars. The Quran mentions seven heavens. In Hinduism, there are seven higher worlds and seven underworlds. In Buddhism... The newborn Buddha rises and takes seven steps. There are other coincidences too, or maybe the numbers and the choosing of these numbers were because we were informed by the number seven already in our culture. Seven oceans. Why did we divide it up into seven oceans? Those boundaries are not hard and fast. We just chose seven. Seven continents, even though What, Europe and Asia and Africa are all linked together? We divide that into three. The rainbow has seven listed colors. Again, this could be arbitrary, but we divide it into seven. A standard musical scale has seven notes. All of this is very interesting, right? So what does that mean? Seven historically has been the number of completeness. It represents a finality, a complete set. If something's six, it's incomplete. The number of the devil is 666. Six, six. It is incomplete. And the number seven also, because of this completeness, is often represented in ways that coincide with heaven or God or perfection. Perfection. These kinds of things. So in this chapter today, we will be beginning the story of the downfall of Gondolin. And maybe that's spoilers, but I have a feeling you knew that was coming. And the number seven is going to play a key role here. And like a number of the other stories that we've already gone through, so is A Child of Mankind, tour who will be finding his way among the Alps thanks to the actions of one of the Valar. Chapter 23 of The Silmarillion is called Of Tour and the Fall of Gondolin. So, yeah, yeah, it's a little spoilery right there in the title, right? So we have a sense that this is where this is going. And to begin this, we are reminded of some of the lineage of the characters that we have been more familiar with lately. It starts off and says, It has been told that Hur, the brother of Hurin, was slain in the Battle of a numbered Tears. And in the winter of that year, Rian, his wife, bore a child to the wilds of Mithrim, and he was named Tur. Tur never knew his father, never knew Hurin, and is the cousin of Turin. A very interesting family. Now, It goes on and says that he was taken to foster by Aniel, or Enail, probably Enail, of the Grey Elves, who lived in those hills. And this goes on for about 16 years. When Tur is 16 years old, the elves needed to leave the area that they were dwelling in, the Caves of Androth. And they made their way secretly to the havens of Sirion, in the distant south. And during the 16 years, we have the events of a lot of the things that we've been talking about in the last few chapters are taking place during Tour's childhood. Now, during this time, they were attacked by orcs and Easterlings. Remember, the Easterlings were given the land of Hithlam for themselves. They were in cahoots. That's a fun word. Cahoots with uh, the orcs of Morgoth. And they couldn't escape. And Tour, along with them, was taken captive. And he was enslaved by an individual named Lorgan. Lorgan was the chief of the Easterlings of Hithlam, the leader of this group. And he suffered for three years in slavery. The text says thraldom. And at the end of that, he manages to escape. So, where does he go? He returns to the caves of Androth, but he finds nobody. The elves that he had been raised by are no longer there. Now, let me pause real quick here before we get into further details on the story. If you've noticed some of the way that the writing has worked over the last few uh, episodes, I guess we can say, you, you can see that some of the text becomes more and more vague. And I have a feeling this is because Christopher Tolkien was pulling together his father's writings. And stories like Beren and Luthien have very specific details, especially in very important portions of those stories, actual conversations. You get this very zoomed in view of what's going on. But some of these stories, like this one, are a little bit more zoomed out. They sound and feel... Like reading something like Beowulf or one of those old myths that go into these just broad brush strokes about what happened without going into too much detail. So the next detail here is when he was leaving, when he escaped his slavery from Lorgan, we know that. He did such great hurt to the Easterlings that Lorgan set a price upon his head. We're not given specifics. We don't know if he killed some of them in order to escape, if he hurt Lorgan himself. We don't know. We just know that there is a bounty and that they want him back. And we've seen writing like this before. Uh, Turin does some of these kinds of things where he does something bad and then everybody gets upset and then he runs away, right? These kinds of things happen. and, And this is... No different in this scenario. And then we get another jump ahead. Tour spends the next four years of his life. So that's to about the age of 20. By himself in solitude as an outlaw running from the law. It's not really the law. It's Lorgon's law. Right. But what this means is that in this time, he doesn't find anyone else to live with. He's been on his own. The mannish people, the humans who are around, are run by these Easterlings. He can't go back to Hithlum. His elven friends aren't there. They've all been enslaved or killed or something. He doesn't know. And so he's off on his own, surviving in the wild. Similar in ways to other human characters that we know become very important later in their stories. Baron spent some time in the wild. Turin spent a lot of time in the wild during different parts of his life. But then we're told something very, very important, which changes everything. Ulmo, the lord of the seas, set it in his heart to depart from the land of his fathers, for he had chosen Tur as the instrument of his designs. And leaving once more the caves of Androth, he went westwards across Dorlomen and found Anon in Galith, the gate of the Noldor, which the people of Turgon built when they dwelt in Nevrast long years before. So this is going to be one of the first times that this kind of thing happens in the text. He's not anywhere near the sea. And yet somehow Ulmo puts... His power over him sets in his heart to depart from the lands of his fathers. This is the first time this happens, and this is going to happen again, in similar fashion but, but different. Also, we now know that he has traveled south and west to the coast, to the land of Nevrest, where Turgin and those elves previously had lived. And he travels through this tunnel that they had carved out Upon leaving, during the construction of Gondolin, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's when that was, and travels through this tunnel, and it explains it like this. Here, check this out. Thence a dark tunnel led beneath the mountains and issued into Sirith-Niniash, the rainbow cleft through which a turbulent water ran towards the western sea, water running through rivers. Ulmo's domain. Thus it was that Tur's flight from Hithlam was marked by neither man nor Orc, and no knowledge of it came to the ears of Morgoth. Nobody knows where Tur has gone. It's as if he has disappeared. The son of Hur, the nephew of Hurin, the cousin of Turin, has disappeared and is gone, and is now a young man who has learned to survive on his own in the wild. If Morgoth knows anything, he knows that this family is a problem for him. So he's very interested in where Tour may have made his way off to. And so Tour makes his way to Nevrest. And for the first time in his life, he sees the great sea. And we're told that he was enamored of it. That longing that was put in his heart by Ulmo is is heightened. The sound of the water, the look of it, the way it plays on his heart and in his ear. And we're told an unquiet was on him that took him at last into the depths of the realms of Ulmo. He probably spent time jumping through the waves, swimming in the water. And then we're told that he is... Alone again, because nobody's here. He dwells in Neverest alone. And the summer of that year passed, and the doom of Nargothrond drew near. So now we have a sense of exactly when this was. But when the autumn came, he saw seven great swans flying south. And he knew them for a sign that he had tarried over long, and he followed their flight along the shores of the sea. Again, that number seven. Thus he came at length to the deserted halls of Vinyamar beneath Mount Terras and he entered in. These are Turgon's old halls. And there he found the shield and hauberk and the sword and the helm that Turgon had left there by the command of Olmo long before. Olmo was behind the moving of this group to Gondolin. Olmo had told Turgan to leave these behind and look for the bearer who brings these back to him. And here in this moment, Tur has followed Ulmo's directions, not even knowing it necessarily, just this longing in his heart, and has come across this array of elven designed weapons and armor. And he puts it on. He arrayed himself in those arms and went down to the shore. But there came a great storm out of the west, specifically out of the west. And out of that storm, Ulmo, the lord of waters, arose in majesty and spoke to Tur as he stood beside the sea. And Ulmo bade him depart from that place and seek out the hidden kingdom of Gondolin. And he gave Tur a great cloak to mantle him in shadow from the eyes of his enemies." Can you imagine the situation? Tour has been alone for years seeking where he should go, what to do with himself. And he stumbles upon this emptied elven city. And in that city, a set of armor and weapons that fit him specifically. He can just put them on and wear them. And this longing in his heart for the ocean and upon doing this walks out to the water and emerging from the sea is one of the most powerful beings in the world who speaks to him directly and says, go to Gondolin. (laughs) You have something you need to do and then gives him a cloak that will keep him in shadow from the eyes of his enemies. But this isn't the only thing that happens in this moment. After the storm passes, Tour is gathering up his stuff. And he comes across an elf. The first elf that he has seen in years. The first anyone he has seen in years. And this elf is not just any elf. They are the sole survivor of those seven ships... That were sent into the west. Ulmo himself had saved him. Veronwe, son of Aronwe of Gondolin, who sailed in the last ship that Turgen sent into the west, was picked up by Ulmo and saved and brought to this shore at this moment to meet Tur. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
0: All right, here we are in the middle of the show and we get to thank our patrons including our newest patrons. This includes JD2 Scott, Chad R, uh Michael Y and Mark T. Welcome to the Patreon. So glad to have you here joining us and got to shout out our VIP pe- Vi- peer patron words are hard guys. VIP tier patrons <laughs> Gosh. Uh, AK Music Lover, Austin C., Bo, Brad S., Brandy D., Chewbacca, Christopher D., uh, David S., David M., Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Jesse P., Katie S., Capenna, Larry, Lauren C., uh, Nick K., Obi-Wan Kenobi, Patrick W., Sam V., Shannon L., T-Rex, Tyler M., And Wespy, thank you to all of you for your support. And to all, 199, oh my goodness, 199. One more and we hit 200. Who's our 200th patron gonna be? And thank you for all your support. If you are interested in helping to support the show and to keep what I'm doing going, and also to get some really cool stuff, including t-shirts now. If you're a VIP patron, you get t-shirts. If you are the second tier, you get the bonus episodes. And if you're the first tier, you get ad-free episodes early. So something for everybody. Patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast is the place to go for all of that. Thank you very much to all of you. We have some new reviews that came in this last week, not as many as over the two weeks that I took off, but But here we go, let's see. We've got, uh, let's start with OJS122 from Great Britain, writes, Converted Family. I have always been an LOTR fan, but after watching the new Rings of Power series, I realized there was so much I did not understand. Fortunately, I found this excellent podcast. Initially, it just kept me entertained during my commutes, but I also started listening during family road trips. And although my wife and kids did not initially appreciate the change in the car entertainment, they're now fully converted fans and eagerly await new episodes, especially my wife, Laura. I have a wife, Laura, too. I hope that's not the same person. That would be weird. Uh, Lily is a big elf fan. I think she wants to be one. Lucas likes the men, especially Turin. And my youngest, Leo, is the number one Melkor fan. A bit worrying, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Keep up the good work, lad. <laughs> Thank you, OJ. And good luck with uh, with Leo. Um, I appreciate the support. Uh, then we have one from Boy 10 in the U S who writes an inspirational work. I found your podcast on Spotify and I'm currently making my way through the Baron and Luthien ep- uh, shows. The addiction is real. One can hear the excitement and passion you have for Tolkien's work. And it is very contagious. Trying to read the Silmarillion has usually felt like looking upon the walls of Angband for me, large and impossible. However, your podcast has given hope to men with the newfound knowledge you have shared. I'm going to give it another try and hopefully this time accomplish the task. You're an inspiration to all Tolkien fans, Thanks for all you do. Well, thank you, Budgie Boy, for the kind words and for taking the time to leave that. That's awesome. And then one more from Charlie Goho in Canada. This one's pretty short and sweet. Wonderful. Love this podcast. Been listening to it for a while now and have recommended it to many of my friends. Well, thank you so much. All of that is extremely helpful. And thank you to everyone who takes the time to leave a review or to rate this on Spotify. That helps as well. Or to leave some kind comments about what you liked about the last episode. All of that stuff is extremely helpful. And I'm very, very grateful for all of your support because i couldn't do this i couldn't make this a thing without you so thank you very much all right let's move on with the rest of the show So up to this point, it feels like everything has been organized and set in motion by Ulmo himself to the point where he even shows up physically and delivers the last surviving elf from the ocean, from those seven ships. And the two of them together, they meet and they can see that they have something they need to do, because I mean, if one of the most powerful beings in the planet just... Emerged out of the ocean and told you to go somewhere, you'd probably do it, right? So, the reason why Varonwe is so important here is because Varonwe knows the way to Gondolin. It says here, and learning of the command laid upon Tour by the Lord of Waters, Varonwe was filled with wonder and did not refuse him his guidance to the hidden door of Gondolin. Therefore they set out together from that place, and as the fell winter of that year came down upon them out of the north, they went warily eastward under the eaves of the Mountains of Shadow. And this is interesting. At length they came in their journeys to the pools of Ivrin, remember this? The pools of Ivrin? And looked with grief on the defilement wrought there by the passage of Golarung the dragon. But even as they gazed upon it, they saw one going northward in haste, and he was a tall man, clad in black, and wearing a black sword. But they knew not who he was, nor anything of what had befallen in the south, and he passed them by and said no word. They almost ran into Turin, but Turin was too busy hurrying back to Hithlam to look for his mother and his sister what an interesting coincidence so they continue traveling and then we're told and at the last by the power that ulmo sets upon them they came to the hidden door of gondolin this is another one of those moments this idea that he is somehow orchestrating this and sending his will to them from a distance same kind of thing here And passing down the tunnel, they reached the inner gate. Remember how complex this was with multiple gates and all of that? And were taken by the guard as prisoners. Because nobody's supposed to be coming and going. And especially in this situation, an elf and a man coming through the gate like this would be very unexpected. Then they were led up the mighty ravine of Orfalch (laughs) Echor. Orfalch Echor, maybe? Uh, Barred by seven gates and brought before Echthelion of the fountain remember this name Echthelion of the fountain you may have heard that name before in later ages of the world where other people were named Echthelion also there's a reason for that the warden of the great gate at the end of the climbing road and their tour cast aside his cloak and from the arms that he bore from vinyamar it was seen that he was in truth one sent by ulmo because they'd been looking for somebody to show up with all of that equipment that was left. Then Tour looked down upon the fair vale of Tombladen, set as a green jewel amid the encircling hills, and he saw far off upon the rocky height of amon Gondolin, the great city of seven names, whose fame and glory is mightiest in song of all dwellings of the elves in the hitherlands." City of Seven Names, Seven again, shows up. And we're given a wonderful visual image here. Ecthelion has the trumpets sound. And the trumpets respond from the city walls. And the white walls are rose-colored because of the dawn, the light of the dawn reflecting off the white walls. And Tour is given entrance into the city. And this is a very important moment, and we're reminded again of his lineage. It says here, Thus it was that the son of Hur rode across Tomb Laden, and came to the gate of Gondolin, and passed up the wide stairways of the city. He was brought at last to the Tower of the King, and looked upon the images of the trees of Valinor. Tur, who has been homeless, has had a terrible life up until this point, is brought like an honored guest before. Turgen. And not only Turgon is there. He has a number of other people there with him. Turgen, son of Fingolfin, were again reminded of the lineage, high king of the Noldor, and upon the king's right hand there stood Maeglin, his sister's son. Remember Maeglin? Maeglin is going to have a part to play in this, and unfortunately, it's not going to be a, a good one. <laughs> But you can see that he is standing on the right side of the king, which is a place of honor. Upon his left hand sat Idril, Celebrindal, his daughter, and all that heard the voice of Tur marveled, doubting that this were in truth a man of mortal race, for his words were the words of the Lord of Waters. Again, it's like Ulmo is speaking through him, is still in some sense his will is radiating out of him that came to him in that hour and he gave warning to turgin that the curse of mandos now hastened to its fulfillment when all the works of the noldor should perish and he bade him depart and abandon the fair and mighty city that he had built and go down syrian to the sea you can see here that the, the story ends there or at least this not the not this story but the instructions from Ulmo get to the sea it seems that Olmo's plan has other steps prepared. And if we've seen anything, it's that Olmo has been preparing this. Olmo brought Tour to Turgan's old city, to the ocean. Olmo also brought an elf who could take him to Gondolin. All of these are pieces of a puzzle coming together and being orchestrated by one of the most powerful Valar. And the next step is Turgon, take your people and leave, get to the ocean. And then we're told this, then Turgon pondered long the council of Olmo, and there came into his mind, the words that were spoken to him in Vanyamar quote, love not too well, the work of thy hands and the devices of thy heart. And remember that the true hope of the Noldor lieth in the West and cometh from the sea. But Turgon was become proud, and Gondolin as beautiful as a memory of Elven and he trusted still in its secret and impregnable strength, though even a vala should gainsay it. And after the Narniath Arnoidiad, the people of that city desired never again to mingle in the woes of elves and men without nor to return their dread and danger into the West. This moment that Turgen had been prophesied by Ulmo himself that it would occur is still not enough to make up his mind for him. He's come to love the work of his hands and the devices of his heart and to fear the enemy And what would happen to him or his people should they leave? And so, Turgon decides to stay. And this will have dire ramifications for Gondolin. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, The Elder Scrolls lorecast, The Witcher lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.